Welcome to the Fit Mind Project. My name's Barry Ash, and along with my wife Laura Ash, we are the founders of Rock Solid Health and the Freedom Programs. We believe that everybody should have access to a simple and supportive way to transform their health and their well-being, both physically and mentally, so we can feel better than we currently do. Our aim is to bring together a community of like-minded people who want to transform their habits and their behaviours using the rock solid method so they can take ownership of their health and their well-being. With this podcast, we're going to be having conversations with some amazing people that will help and inspire you to take back control of your lives. As we believe, when we are healthier, we are happier. And in this episode, we're going to be talking all things breath with the amazing Anthony Wade, aka Doc Voice. Doc says, our breath is our soundtrack to our lives. So without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to the amazing Anthony Wade, aka Doc Voice. So guys, welcome to today. It's wonderful to see you all. I am so excited about today. You're getting a bit emotional. No. I sound like you're getting a bit emotional in the voice there. No. <laughs> I'm really excited well today because we have got such an honoured special guest to join us today. He's not just one of our mentors, but we also class him as a, a dear friend as well. I'm not sure whether he'll class us as dear friends by the end of this, but we'll see. <laughs> So guys, today we are joined by Anthony Wade, aka Dr. Voice. And Doc is the man behind Sam Smith, basically. And he is the world's number one vocal coach. He's a transformational coach. And he has coached, as I said, Academy Award winner Sam Smith. And one of his pupils was the winner of BBC's The Voice, Jermaine Jackman. And also he has helped um, BBC radio superstar Rika in the charts. Now, what you've got to understand about Doc is that he is no ordinary singer or vocal trainer. He's actually an expert in removing the mental and emotional blocks which, as we know, prevent people from reaching their ultimate goals in life, in both singing and speaking. So you can see how we are uber excited. And I think today is going to be something really, really special. So let me hand over to you, Doc. Welcome. Welcome to you. Thank you very much for having me on today. It's lovely to see you both again. Absolutely. it's a joy to be here always, especially at these times. It's uh, We probably would never have done this had there been no COVID. Uh, so this is great. <laughs> Everything has a silver lining, Doc. Yes. Yeah. So, Doc, before we kick off, what I'm going to say is we usually say to our, our beautiful guests, introduce yourself. Tell us, you know, why you've got into this and how you've ended up being here doing what you love so much. Well, it's a long story, but I'll shorten it very briefly that my uh, anybody, any one of you out there watching this, po- uh, this, this, this program now would, re- would always say to yourself, oh, I don't like the sound of my voice. 
mm. or I don't like my sound. Um, and most of you probably, uh, some of you may sing a little bit, don't sing because of your voice, because you think, oh, I'm not like that. I'm this, I'm that. You've got your concepts and preconceived ideas of what your voice is and who you are with your voice. So what you do, you drop it. You don't give it any attention. Well, for me, it wasn't like that because I was on my way to Australia at 17 years old. My family was this extraordinary musical family. My brother was in Jesus Christ Superstar and Hair and he, he knew the Bee Gees and, and, and I had this extraordinary connection to the music industry, that even at a very young age. But on my journey to Australia, I uh, f fell in love with the Duchess on the boat. It was this extremely pretty lady. Uh, uh, and we, we, we fell in love and we had this romance, but her father hated my guts. So he didn't want, because I had long hair, looked like the Bee Gees. So he didn't want me to be near his daughter, who was this beautiful girl. Apparently, I found out in the end, she was a multi-millionaires. She, uh, she uh, gathered some of his uh, oil wells for, his, for her birthday on that on that boat and I didn't even know because I wasn't invited to the party. So to cut a long story short, I was asked, would I like to get up and sing uh, at this event on the boat? And of course, I didn't know anything about singing. I was young, I thought I could sing. I thought I had a voice because all my family had voices, but I never attempted to use my voice or sing. So I was on the boat and then I thought, oh, I'll impress her dad, I'll impress her. So the purser came up to me, he said, learn this song off, this is the song. I went to learn the song off, and as I sat there in the afternoon in my cabin, I've I haven't got a voice. And I'll try to hear the notes. The song will be going I go, I couldn't hear the notes. No. And I went to the person said, I can't go on tonight, you've got to. What you've got to now, you've got to go on. Oh my God. Oh my so, God. so I went in front of the big band, all waiting for me. In the front row, there she was, all glammed up with her, her dad and family, and 2,000 people on the boat. <laughs> it wasn't a dry eye, everybody was laughing. She was like this. Her dad was going to see, like almost, I told you, you know. I went back to my cabin and didn't come out of my cabin for the rest of the journey for two weeks. I was that devastated. Yeah. I didn't understand why could I not make sound? And then when I hit Australia, I, I was there for about a year or two. And then all of a sudden I get a, 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 an email, not an email, par Avon from my brother saying, look, the Bee Gees are in Perth, go and check them out. Morris knows you're there because he's Morris's best friend. I was okay, so I found the, uh, up the, the hotel, and in those days you didn't have all this security, so I phoned up, can I speak to Morris Gibb, please? Yes, sir. <coughs> hello, Morris Gibb. Oh, uh, 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 hello, Morris. Uh, I mean, I was bending metal in a factory at the time. That was my job. I said, look, it's Anthony. Oh, Anthony, where are you? Come down. Your brother told me you're here. I'll send a limo. What's your address? Next minute, I'm in a limo, and I go and meet the Bee Gees. So as I walk in, I'm sitting with Morris Gibbon. He starts to tell me this story about his loss with Lulu. It was then, I think for the first time in my life, I discovered I had this ability to really listen. Because I was there for 18 hours in his room, 
as he cried, went through emotions, went through changes, went through transformation in his, in his thinking. And, and do you know what I mean? He was going, I was going, yes. And I, and I didn't know what it meant. I, I was only 19, nearly 20, and I, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I just became this blotting paper for him. He was so moved and touched. He came up to me at the end of the 18, and he said, no one in my life has ever listened to me. I'm on tour all the time. No one knows what I go through. No one knows all the... And he was a very disturbed, unhappy person. You know his story. You know, he, he was always drunk. He had many problems. But this loss of Luli was his biggest problem at that time. So when I shared with him this healing, these thoughts, uh, that, that mirrored him, really. I just sat and mirrored. So all you have to do is be quiet for some people. And that's it. They, they unravel themselves. And then I realized I had this skill of being able to listen so what happened he said to me what can I do for you he wanted to I'll do anything for you what can I do you've you've changed my life Anthony you have no idea what you've done no one has ever listened to me no one's ever I've, I've never been able to share these things I've shared things with you and he shared me some really <laughs> extraordinary stories that any newspaper would love to hear and I said no no nothing is fine you know he said well I know what come with us tomorrow night what come on stage what come on the, the stage at the Subiac over and I want you to come up and sing with us. Huh? <laughs> so I was, but, but no, you're not, you're coming up. So next minute, there I am on stage in front of 33,000 people at the Subiac Oval in Perth. Ah, ah, all screaming, stay alive, stay alive. All going, and I'm up there by the microphone, and I'm looking where I can turn the bloody microphone off. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of the bleach of the stage, and I, and I turn the microphone, and I'm going, thinking, what am I doing up here? And it was then I realised, what an idiot! I can't do. Why can't I sing? And I had this terrible, insecure feeling of not being able to do what everybody seemingly could do. My brother could sing like a god. My, these guys are singing. I couldn't do this. So next minute, I'm getting into the uh, limousine on the way out with them to go back to the hotel with them. And of course, I'm signing autographs on the way because everybody thinks I'm one of the Bee Gees. I look like one of them. I have my hair like it with the thing on, you know, long hair and a beard. <clears throat> and when I got in the limousine, the girl, I bent over and I signed her back. So I mean, I mean she was mad. I was just like, this is... A fantasy. I went back to the hotel, and the next day, Mungo Jerry turns up into the hotel. We had a song on the charts in the summertime when you know. Everybody. He said to me, he said, "I saw you're one of the Bee Gees, isn't you?" I said, "No, no, 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 no. I, I'm just a friend." No, I saw you up there. I said, "No, no, no. I, I, I'm just a friend, and I can't sing." He says, "Yeah, you want to sing?" I said, "No, I can't sing." He says, oh, "Look, mate, I can sing, and look what I've done." I've got a number one record worldwide. I was a carpenter six months ago and I didn't have a penny. He said, look at me now. And I thought, well, yeah. And he said, well, you can sing too. Just do it. And I listened to him. And then I went to work the next day, Ben and in a factory, and a guy came up to me and he said, yeah, mate, did you see the Bee Gees on telly last night? And I said to him, what? And he says, did you see him? Look, I've got a photograph of him getting in the limousine. He says, Barry Gibb. That wasn't Barry Gibb. That was me, the back of my head. He was, <laughs> right? 
And I s stood there and I couldn't tell him it was me because it was like, yeah, okay, mate. So I, um, after that, I was so eaten up inside that all these people were doing these amazing things with music and changing people's lives through music. Why can't I sing? Why can't I do this? So I went on the journey for five years and I had 10 singing teachers who begged me not to sing. Begged me. You can't do it. You're not talented. You can't even hear the note. You can't hear the note. You can't even hear the notes. What are you doing? Why are you even trying to be a singer? What, what, what's, what's, what you want? And I thought, why can't I sing? So I went on my own journey. So what I did, now if we look at the people that sing today and we look at all the vocal coaches on the planet, most of them are great performers and singers. And vocal coaches today are normally prodigies, started singing when they were six and they got the amazing voices and they could teach it. So on the ocean of the voice, on the top of the ocean of the voice, bobbing up and down are all these singing teachers and great singers of the world. And, and I wasn't on top of that ocean. I dived to the bottom of the ocean and I went right down and I found some pearls that no one had ever bothered to do. And then I built a ladder and each rung of that ladder was this technique, that technique, the central sound beam, the Dunning technique, these two. And I started to devise all these technical things that enabled me to learn to sing, that I could take deaf people, I could take people with cerebral palsy and get them singing. I could do things, and then also my ears were able to tell me, Adele, her voice, she's screwing it up. I could tell, because she's got a rung of the ladder missing that I've spent years finding. And I could tell with Sam Smith, his voice, he needs to do this and that. He's got a rung of the ladder missing in his understanding of his voice. And so I then realized, well, this is what my talent was, that I could see this. So basically over years and years of teaching, I then developed my own technique and understanding of singing. And there I was at the Palazzo Dallas Sports singing on stage. Michael Bolton just been on. And I'm standing there and there's 15,000 people in the audience and I'm going, where's are my singing teachers now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, this is like what it was that I, I eventually ended up being able to sing. I've sung all over the world, Royal Albert Hall, Sydney Opera House. Uh, you know, I've, I've done, done my bits. Uh, I've sung in wine bars, restaurants over the years. And, and, and I've recorded and I've, and I've spent a lot of time with lots of different performers, uh, great performers, uh, breaking them through their barriers. Because I realise there's barriers in everybody. I don't care. If, if Celine Dion was in front of me now, I would say, why don't you do this? And I know she'd go, oh, I didn't know I could do that because she hasn't had 40 years of, well, and, and thousands of thousands of larynxes in front of her, understanding the process. And in the same way also, what I've realized I've developed is the ability to bring voices back. People that have lost their voice over a period of a nine year, nine years not being able to speak at all, laryngologists, speech therapists have said, we can't help you, we can't help you. And within one hour, I get their voice back. Because and I've been on the other end of that because I remember calling you up. We were meant to be going on stage the next day and I couldn't speak. Ten minutes, you have my voice back. 
Oh, right. And there you are. And, and that, that happened with Lorraine Crosby about six months ago, who sang on the track, I will do anything for love. She phoned me up, stop, I can't talk. My voice is gone. And I said, okay, well, uh, you know, uh, can, you, can you give me something? Something, give me anything. You know. She said, I'm on stage with Bonnie Tyler doing a duet, and I don't know what to do. And I helped her with this technique, and she went on. And she called me the next day, Doc, you're a genius. My voice came back. I was able to do it for the whole evening. And so for me, uh, it, it's like perception, understanding, and the psychology of why we can't do things or say things or feel things or express ourselves. And, um, and I've found that I've just become really good at perceiving that in people and enabling them to be who they really are in their sound. Not the idea of, oh, I'm this person. No. And, and I'd like to take some of your, your listeners on a journey today. In fact, I would like to take them, the first thing I'd like you to be doing at home if you're listening to me, is do something practical while you're listening to me. Don't sit there while we're being interviewed here and just say, oh yeah, he's talking about this, oh he's talking about that. No, don't get into all that. Get into you. I want you to get into you while you're sitting there. Because if you can get into you, you're gonna have an experience. But if you're just listening, it's, you might as well watch Carnation Street. What does that mean, Doc, getting to you? What do you mean by that? Right, so there, here we go. You've opened a can of worms now, haven't you? Trust me. <laughs> you don't open your mouth. Um, <laughs> you hear people say, get into you, listen to you, but they don't really understand what that actually means and how can they do that practically. But also, people are also scared because all they ever hear inside themselves is that negativity, right? Yes. <clears throat> so, so there's a, a few little processes that I can share with you today. The first thing that ever happened to you is you took a breath. I'm sorry. There's no way around that. You went, <gasps> and when you took that breath into your lungs at a very tender age uh, of naught point something seconds old, <laughs> you had an experience of being alive. And the second most powerful thing was your voice. Wah! Wah! saying to the universe i'm here yeah. now here's the deal here's why this is powerful when you are born you take a breath and you're alive one day you will expel a breath and you'll be dead no one is exempt no one yeah so what happens between that end of the life and this end of the life is what we go through and experience so what we do we grow up from a baby and we start getting um, indoctrinated taught this taught that and we start to listen because we have ears when we're a baby um, and as a baby don't forget as a baby you are 100% confident yes full of gusto you don't care whether mum's watching telly. Ah, ah. You don't care if uh, you're going to be left out. You know, you don't care. You, you, are in, in, you are with who you really are. You are with yourself. And you are reacting. My, neighbor, my, my nappy's wet. My, my, I feel uncomfortable. I feel hungry. I don't, you don't even know what it is because you're just sensing it and you scream. 
right? And sometimes lots of people don't like baby screaming. And the reason why they don't like baby screaming is because it reminds them of their lost self. Interesting. Ah, because I'm, I'm not a fan of baby screaming. Right. So here we go. Now we're going to go into this. You see, when you lose your true self, this is when all the other stuff comes pouring in. And this is where you become your own enemy. Okay. Now we are either our own dearest friend or we are our own enemy. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we left that uh, uh, child space, we, that confidence, amazing confidence, gone. Because now we're copying. We copy the way our mum talks. If your mum talks, hello, love, how are you? Guess what? You're going to, hello, mum, how are you? You're going to do the same. If your dad talks, well, I think like that. When you grow up, oh, I think like that. You're going to be the same. I'll never forget this guy phoned me up one time. And he went, hello, Mr. May. I said, yeah, my son wants to come to your singing lessons. Is that all right? Can I know? Yeah, give him a ring. Give him his son rang up. Hello, Mr. Babe. Yeah, I'm in. It's like exactly the same voice. But, and, and, and you just pick this up that people copy. Now, what happens when we copy? We are not being our true selves. We're taking on the characteristic of the identity of someone else, imposing it on our sound, ourself, and we believe that's us. So when we are confronted with questions, or when someone comes up, oh, I don't think it's right what you just said, we may get embarrassed. Why do we get embarrassed? Because you know it wasn't you that spoke what you just did. It was someone else, not your true self. Yeah, So we feel ashamed or embarrassed because we're not being who we are. And this is what I teach people to do, is how to become who you are in your sound. Yeah. And how we do that, and that's why I want to get everybody at home doing this now before we go on. I want everybody to do the first thing that ever happened to you, is you took a breath. No. Wait. And you know what? He's a nightmare. (laughs) I know. Uh, Can you get him off? Yeah, go. I'm just eager. I'm an eager beaver. (laughs) So, basically... This is one of the most powerful ways to breathe that I've discovered from years, having spent 10 years in an ashram or on and off, you know, doing eight hours of meditation a day and realizing the understanding of the breathing mechanism, which is really, truly been my savior. We have 750 breaths in an hour. In an hour? 750 breaths we take in within an hour. And what happens, I've, I know I've sort of counted them. So what happens in those 750 breaths we have in an hour, if we're not with them, we're with our mind more. We're with the enemy sometimes more. See, the breath represents the heart. When you can be with your breath more, you are more with your heart. Yeah. When you are not with your breath, you're more with your mind and the thinking processes. Yeah. That's why when I offered to uh, take David Cameron when he took the coming to power to uh, uh, so he, one of his uh, people said, look, I'm going to introduce you to David. He, he, he's PA or something. He said he could do with your work. And when he saw that I teach people to speak from the heart, 
he didn't bother to contact me. Interesting. Because most people uh, live from what they think and then speak straight out. Yeah. And when you live from what you think and speak straight out, you're in dicey land. This is where you get, oh, is it right? Is it wrong? Was I good? Was I bad? Oh, my God. You get criticism, self, uh, consciousness comes in. And 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 in and, and this call, we're going to help you get rid of a little bit of self-consciousness or understanding how we can get rid of that. And we're also going to, in this call, teach you to breathe correctly. Because the problem with people is that we think, let, let this, this do the science very quickly. Yeah. I've ever talked to a room full of doctors and they all said, uh, uh, hands up doctors, what's the biggest killer on the planet? Stress, right. Stress is the biggest killer on the planet. Would you agree? Yes. Stress of the organs, stress of the self. And when stress is a chemical, would you say it's a chemical? And they all said, yes, stress is a chemical. Yes, it changes the blood flow. It actually puts, uh, creates, uh, 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 burns holes in the arteries from the acid because acid, acidic uh, body is through stress and you get more acidic when you have acidic thoughts. So of course it's acid. So acid uh, depletes your organs. This is why so many cancers, problems and all sorts of illnesses are happening on the planet because people live in stress when you are with stress you are normally auxiliary breathing yeah. and when you auxiliary breathe that means you only breathe to the top of your chest if you go to the airports anywhere on a train somewhere you see people oh where's my train oh yeah i've got to go oh I've got to do this oh, I've got to do and, and everybody's mind is going fast because they're auxiliary breathing <laughs> which is through the mouth and only to the top of the chest that's the only breathing they do this is a beautiful concoction equals in the scientific uh, world stress yeah now when i said to these doctors in this room i said I, let me ask you a question what is the biggest killer of stress would you say that stress is a chemical they all agree it's a chemical that runs around the body now the chemical stress is, is the toxic it's very, it's what screws us up. Yeah. If there's another toxin in your body worse than stress, this toxin is natural to us. And this toxin annihilates all other toxins in your body. And this toxin is called oxygen. Mm. And when we take a deeper breath into our lungs to the bell part of our lungs to the stomach to the ribs at the back and we expand down beneath our chest not our chest like he's doing now he's breathing try, in. I'll try to get it down below Wait, doc, he's gonna tell you. <laughs> you actually end up and, it, and it's habitual, we've lived this way. And the reason why this is, because when you were a baby, you had your tongue on the roof of your mouth. Ah. That's where you were when you were born. And the doctors pull it out, think you're gonna choke. Thank you, doc, you've just stopped me breathing into my diaphragm. Because when you have your tongue, and I want everybody to do this at home now, when you have your tongue on the roof of your mouth, ah. mm -hmm. and this is a technique that comes from it's ancient, 5,000 years. I mean, I don't know how old it is, but it is a technique. We used it in Kung Fu because when you're in Kung Fu and you get hit there, if your tongue's at the back, you don't 
you don't bite your tongue and and also it helps you breathe more effectively it does a lot of things but but i've understood through years of meditation that it also is a pinning back inside yourself more to feeling more of yourself in your breathing so what happens when your tongue's on the roof of your mouth you are forced to breathe in through the nose yeah i felt that and i felt down here you know, right. kind of, it changed. Right. Yes, it does. So if you, now, if everybody does this at home now, shut your mouth, tongue on the roof of the mouth, and breathe them through your nose, it's quite tough to do. And you think, oh, I can't be bothered to do this. Is that correct? It's like, oh, it's tough. But what happens when you tongue on the roof of the mouth, breathe them through your nostril stills, but you have your mouth slightly open, now take the earring, Ah, it's like having the window open with the front door open at the same time. There's a draft that comes through. It's easier for the oxygen to go into the deeper part of your lungs. So my method of this or understanding of this or what I practice personally, I don't know whether I picked it up or learned it or what, but here it is, is tongue on the roof of the mouth, breathe with your nostrils, mouth slightly open and expanding your belly out as you do it so to help you do this i want you to all do this i want you and you'll see it with me because i'm pregnant <laughs> but i want you to imagine you have uh, what you call a plunger yeah. uh, from the sink if you stick that on your belly the plunger on your sink and then you pull that out and let the belly come out with a plunger, with the tongue on the roof of the mouth, mouth open, mouth open, that's it. And you allow the air to escape in through the nostrils slowly and deliberately as you're doing this. By doing this slowly and deliberately, and if you have your hand coming out, it reminds you you're breathing. Uh, the reason why I've said the plunger and we've got you doing something physical is because your mental self won't bother to do it. But when you see oh, I'm doing something physical, look, my hand's coming out. Why? Oh, because I'm breathing. Now you're learning to consciously breathe. This is called conscious breathing. If you don't do conscious breathing, right, you will not escape the wrath of anxiety breathing, yeah. which is where stress lives in you. Is that it's so well practiced, this anxiety breathing? Yes. Um, and here it is also because we don't notice it. We don't notice our breath throughout the day. We can't be bothered. No one notices their breath. Look, uh, um, um, when, when, when we're doing a, and why breath? Why am I so hell-bent on breath? Because you cannot, make powerful tones you cannot experience your voice because your vocal cords right when you take air in your stomach's filled up the vocal cords are really open they're really open when you take air in but when you blow air out they come together mm -hmm. And so that's how you make sound. Uh, sound comes from you letting air out. Yeah. So, uh, so everybody at home, I want you to do that. I know it's silly. You sound like a blue cow. But we're going to go take the breath in. Look, here it is. Bring your stomach out. Tongue on the roof of the mouth. Nasal passages filling up 
your ribs at the back as well. Fill up. What do you want? What do, look, when you go on a journey in a car, if you only put a little bit of petrol in, you ain't going to go far, are you? Right? Right. So if you're going to go on a long journey, and we are on a long journey in life, you want to fill up and yeah. know that you're not going to freak out or get down or be unhappy or get lost. This technique will help you do that. It will help you get into a state of mind because it's your state of mind, which is your enemy, if it's not in your right place. Our enemy is our mind or it's our dearest friend. What do you want it to be? Well, this technique is a process to help you become friends with your true self. Ah, in your breathing. Ah, so my true self is in my breath. Yes, look. God, put air in your body, or life, nature, let's call it Tick Fred Harry, I don't care. Put air in your body, right? And you're alive. And then we'll take air out of your body, and you're dead. It says, nature says, God says, life says, nature, science says, I'm something to do with that, dummy. Yeah. Your breath. Yeah. Why aren't you listening to me, your breath? Why aren't you coming to me? I'm your saviour, I'm your, and you know, I went further into this, I got a bit religious, I don't like getting religious, but I couldn't help this, I got really excited, and I read the Bible, and in the Bible it says, in the beginning of the world, and the world was God, and the world was with God, and the word is God, and the word is God, in John chapter one, whatever it was, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word is God, and, and Jesus spread the word of God. Right. This is what this is what it says in the Bible. It says it in the Bhagavad and the Quran in different languages. The word, the, the they all call it the word. A friend of mine, uh, uh, his wife, who's a, a top theological uh, uh, philosopher and uh, um, um, professor of language, studied the language and found the language for, back to three thousand years ago from the Greek Hebrew language. That the name word means breath mm, interesting so in the beginning was the breath and the word was the breath and the word was with the breath and the word is the breath and jesus went out and spread the breath but also as well now with corona we're all worried about our lungs which create breath <laughs> and my uh, uh, uh one of my friends is a nurse and she uh told me that the thing that when a person has died in front of her on many occasions, so they've checked these the sats, the saturation of oxygen. There's no oxygen in the lungs. The COVID has wiped the oxygen out, yeah, completely. So, uh, um, and I shared with her this breathing. She said, This is fantastic. She showed all the nurses because before she went to work, she started to do it and it calmed them down and made them feel more present, made them feel more attuned, you know, because uh, and it's a health thing why do you look you guys are in the health business and you know one of the most important things i'm sorry and if you're not doing this at home i'm sorry learn to know that you are slowly dying or dying faster if you don't move yeah you need movement movement is the most why because action creates consciousness 
And if you don't learn to move or have a routine or a practice or something you can do and learn, which you can learn from these wonderful people here in front of me who taught me how to keep fit, because I still do your exercises. And in the morning I do them and it's like, wow, I'm glad I've got these. You know, because it's like movement is life. Yeah. And so you have to learn to move. But before that happens, you have to be breathing. Yes. So everybody's worried about food. We concentrate on food all day. Oh, what am I going to eat? Yeah, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, agree. What am I going to eat? Then, right? Now, you can live a month without food. And water, all we've got to have our water. I mean, and water's important because you can live four or five days without water. Your breath, seven minutes without your breath, you're finished. Yeah, true. Do we give it the same attention we do food? No. We don't honour it. We take it for granted, don't we? We take it for granted. And so the breath is married to the voice. They're married. And we take the voice for granted. Yeah. We notice our hair if we're going to talk or go on television. We notice our hair if we're going to go out and meet people and have a party. We notice what we're wearing. We notice all these things. And yet the one thing that is going to create the energy that you want being out socialising anywhere is your voice. And we don't notice that at all. And as you say, when you're with breath, you're speaking from your true self. And when you're not, you're just talking chitter-chatter in your mind, which is your enemy. Absolutely. And this is why I even say this. And I'm I'm not the only one that's talking about breath on the planet. This Wim Hof, who I was with 40-odd years ago, I believe he was in the same uh, seminar I was in with Leonard Orr, who brought rebirthing to the world. And uh, and I became a rebirth. I rebirthed probably 400 people in my time. And and that was how to breathe. (laughs) Quick breathe, slow breathe, and all that. All what Wim Hof does is in the breathing world and and again what does he tell you from his findings and from his science and he said scientists uh, look into it that this is actually saving people's lives it gets rid of depression it gets rid of uh, many people but bipolar all sorts of illnesses and things that happen to people the breathing has a very powerful healing property about it and that's why people do yoga people go for uh, keep fit because you know you're breathing but what happens if you're just doing it now, please at home, if you're not got your tongue on the roof of your mouth, see how you forgot. And, yeah. and you're not slowly pulling your stomach out as you're listening to me. You will not get the full benefit of even what I'm saying. You need to tune in. It's like a television set. You need to, if you want to hear what's going on with channel four, you have to tune in channel four. If you want to hear the truth of what's being shared here, tune into your breath first. And then you will get a more deeper understanding of what's being shared. This is how the breath is. I know when we worked with you, Doc, and we had some vocal coaching with you, I I speak like this. This is my autopilot, if you know what I mean. But when I came and sang with you, I had a deep voice like Alison Moyer. And I was like, where did that come from? And you helped me tap into that. And it's a space I've never accessed before. And since. And yet, yeah, very, do you know what? Very true. <laughs> Why? 
and this is the this is the point of this talk we we it's called a discipline if you are prepared you've got to put the picture in front of you you've got to have a very clear picture in front of you what you want to see for yourself in life if you want to live a happy free life being friends with who you really are you've got to start looking into who you really are yeah you yeah. can't just say oh yeah yeah no i'll do that as later because carnation street's on yeah. or or and, and we are all procrastinators every one of us keep putting things off yeah. we can't help it you know I, the other day i saw it myself i'm sitting there and i thought oh, i've got to do this and do that and all of a sudden next minute i'm on wikipedia learning about how many people in india died in 1899 <laughs> <laughs> it was no use to me at all and yet it took me an hour to go through it all oh, oh mahatma domino was there but who's that who cares? You know, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. And this is the power of, of the mind. Our mind is one notch down from being omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Your mind is so powerful, it's one notch down from being infinite. It's a, it's a powerful force. Now, I've learned, for me, the only way I control my mind is with my breathing. Yeah. And I know you talk a lot about the breath is, is the key to your the soundtrack to your life, but you also talk about your language and how does that relate to the breath and the language and how we, we deal with negative attitude, negative talk in our head. I just want to bring it over to the language side of things. I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Well, this is where I see uh, you've got to train your mind. You have to train your mind to use different language. Yeah. You have to catch yourself. My daughter's good at this when I'm talking to her. Dad, you just said that. That's very negative. Okay. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is good. Yeah. And, and, and she's on the case, you know, and, and it's a bit like that uh, because sometimes, you know, oh, that's going to take me down a rabbit hole, that thought process, that part, because my condition is such that from my poor upbringing which i did have uh, uh sometimes it comes in from the subconscious you see the subconscious mind which is the unconscious mind we are consciously speaking now and you're listening consciously yes but the subconscious mind lives in the past mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and the subconscious mind will always bring you some iniquity pain or something that it recognizes that fits the moment you're in at that moment and this is why we end up freaking out sometimes. We don't know why we're freaking out because it's the subconscious that's doing it, not you. This is why when you breathe deep and you focus and you become conscious of your sound when you speak like I'm doing now, you go to super consciousness. You go to a space where you're starting to create not react from the past we react there's only two modes you can be in here we are very simple only two modes you can be in in life in my opinion and understanding what i've been looking at and studying with all my clients over the years two things that you the modes you can be in one is you're either in creative mode or you're in reaction mode 
And yeah. if you reaction mode, it's like, oh no, but you did it now. Well, you did it. Before you know it, you're down a path of disharmony, unhappiness. And the enemy comes out in you, and the enemy comes out in the other person because that's what you're mirroring. Whereas if you're in creativity mode, instead you say, excuse me, I hope you don't mind, but you just said something. And I hope you don't mind me saying, but it's made me feel a little bit like this. How would you feel if you felt a little bit like this? Yeah. And then the person goes, oh, you know, now you're not in re reaction mode. You're not reacting. You just told me this. You, you would No, you've asked a question. So asking questions is a very powerful way of disarming this terrible uh, uh, disharmony of reacting with each other. So learn so language is powerful and important. Uh, so a story about the language, which I found uh, delightful. Um, when I did my TV program on Sky One about uh, bringing two families together who, who couldn't communicate with each other, and I brought them together through singing. But it weren't just singing, I did all these other processes. Um, and it was amazing. And I was watching this family, it was incredible. And Sky, the head of Sky said to me, uh, uh, Dr. Voice, this is great what you've done. It's amazing, you've changed people's lives. Can you do something with footballers and, or, 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 or you know, prisons? I said, okay. So what I ventured to do is get a job at a prison. So I went to my friend and I got a job in a prison who knew someone who could get me a job and I ended up I had to go for 16 weeks of you know all sorts of things you know you have to be cleared and by the government yeah. the home office because it's children you're dealing with and you have to be very very careful um and so there I was in the prison uh and the next minute they're coming up to me saying uh can you take the English class I said well I'm, I'm a music teacher no but we haven't got any English teachers can you take the English? Oh. so I'm, I'm taking an English class so I'm in the English class and I thought, well, I'm going to try this about language. So there's eight guys in there, and they're all like, hunting there for murder, paedophile, all sorts. I mean, these guys you don't mess around with. And they're between the ages of 16 and 18, but, you know, they can do some damage on you. They're quite big, some of them. And, you know, and I got attacked by a guy with a pencil one time. And there's all sorts of things that happen in a room. And, of course, you've got your guards there. So I'm standing there. I said, I want to take you on a journey into language, I went. And I said, I want you all to think and come out with a word which really, really, uh, you know, just give me a word, a negative word, a nasty word, a negative. Come on, negative words. So all sitting there, hate. I want hate, right? And I put it on the board. What else? Um, deaf, deaf. Okay, good. We'll put deaf up. Any more? Angry, angry, yeah. Frustrated, right. Um, and all these words were coming out, frustrated, angry, uh, uh, pissed off, uh, had enough, you know, and, and, like, and I had the board full of it. As I was doing this, the room started to get thick with a violent feeling. It was unmistakable. And the guys that were guards in the room were looking at me and looking at the kids and thinking, what the hell? And then a fight ensued. At the back of the room, a fight board came out. So they stopped the fight eventually. And, and, and the guys were taken out and then they were brought back in again and they were sat down again. And I said, okay, I then changed the mode. I said, right now, I want some positive words, please. Oh, now the resistance was phenomenal because they're all in this hate freak out mode and they're all, all they wanted to do is rip my throat out and everybody else's throat because they were living in the language and the words that I presented on the board. 
they become something they were focusing on. Yeah. So I then thought, I've got to change the focus. So I said, give me some positive words, and none of them would do it. And after five minutes of tediously forcing them, I take off, take away their games in the in the prison. I take away the television. You know, you had some leverage. I said, "Come on, let's have it." Language, and they're all sitting there. Right, right. Give us a, a positive, uplifting word. Come on, you. And he went, "Amazing." I said, "Amazing, good." And I wrote it on the board, and I said, "Right, what else? Incredible, incredible, good. Any more? Happy, happy, good. I like that one. Good. Joy, great. And and this guy." Step forward, it was so funny. And he, he put his little foot forward, a little 14 year old boy. He went, Wonderful, <laughs> <laughs> and he said it in such a beautiful way. The whole place went into fits, it would stop the room, and we all laughed. Even the guards wow. were laughing. And, and then, for the first time, and I was there for five years for because I loved these, I wanted to help these kids. And, and for the first time in five years. Every one of those kids came up to me on the way out and hugged me. Good lesson, Doc. Thanks. Put their fist up, hugged me on the way out. Never been done for me in that or probably most other pupils, uh, teachers. After that, you hear it down the hallway. Wonderful. In the next lesson, you're in wonderful. And, and about a month later, you go around the, 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 the prison in the cells and you hear, oh, wonderful. They're still taking the mick out of this guy. I guess I'm wonderful and, and stuff like that. But the energy of those words were more powerful than the energy of the negative words. That's when I realized language yeah. is imperative to our existence. You only have to say, mm, I don't know. Soon as you've done that, oh, I don't know. Soon as you've done that, if you've not noticed you've done that, you've just shut, shut a synapse down in your brain that says, That's it, I give up. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And it adds to the other loads of soup that you've concocted with other things that may be, Oh, yeah, that went wrong, this has gone wrong. And then before you know it, you're going down a path of negative feelings and negative happenings and you attract more problems to you but when you can actually say uh, when it comes out oh, i don't know as soon as it comes out i don't know hang on wait a minute i i do this now is it cleaning me for years i don't know my family be doing it for years my mum oh, i don't know oh, i don't know oh, i don't know everybody says it you know and now when it comes to me oh, i don't know i go i do know not exactly but i do know and i'm going to wait to find what that is yeah what you've just done, you've just reversed the synapse in your brain that now starts searching for some positive uh, warehouses that you can go to to collect more data that's going to help you feel good. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Exactly. Why wouldn't you? It just so, takes a little bit of energy and a little bit of effort. effort. And once it's done that, bam, we're away. It's noticing. Yeah. Yeah. It's noticing. You see, what I, I love this question that I give myself sometimes. When um, can I? Do I notice? I just said to myself, I'm useless at that. And and it's a great question. I said, I've just noticed. I've said I'm useless at that. Is that true? And then I ask myself, Is it true? And it's, this is being mindful. And uh, and and then all of a sudden, I go, Well, no. Well, yeah. goodbye. 
It's just a word fear, isn't it? I, I'm in fear of this. I'm in fear of that. As soon as we've said that, brings it forwards. You've got to confront it. And it's the same, I remember a very quick story when my uh, girlfriend left me years ago and I was in total devastation, this Chinese girlfriend, I was so in love with her. And I remember driving up the motorway and I had a vision of her. <gasps> and my heart started to break because I'm, where is she? Oh, she's not my mother. <gasps> and I know I was never going to go be with her because it was all over. But still the memory of her and the, oh, and the heart would wrench like a towel. You know that feeling of separation, of hurting. It's a terrible experience. And you feel intimidated, worn out. And in the car, so I thought, right. So I pulled up in the car and I sat there and I thought, I felt the pain of her, and I'd think of her, and I'd feel the pain of her. Right, come on then. Come on then. Come on, anger. Come on. Come on, feeling down and unhappy. Show your face. Show me. Who are you? Come on. Come on. What's being freaked out? What's being hurt here? Come on, hurt. Let me see the hurt. Let me see you. Come on. Let me see you, because you're wrenching my heart like a towel over this girl. Let me see you. Come on. See you. And, and all of a sudden, I just sat there for five minutes doing that, and it went, poof. And I went. There was no pain. I was free. Yeah. And every time I thought of her, I know. Because I took control. I noticed and took control. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the voice and speaking, this is a time where you can actually lodge in all this consciousness I'm talking about because it's with your breath yeah. so what does that mean it means this and you can do this at home now i hope you're all breathing with your tongue on the roof of your mouth or your mouth open you're there. i haven't i will admit because i've been listening so intently but i hope as you're doing it you've got to watch so you can chew and, and watch television at the same time can't you it's called yeah. multitasking, right so you can breathe and listen at the same time um it's a very simple thing to do just You've just got to notice you're not doing it. So those are not noticing you're not doing it. Get on it. Feel it. Slowly coming out. Filling right up. And then back in. And just keep doing that. Because as you keep doing that, you're going to start to feel a change to your persona, to your thinking. Because the oxygen is going around the brain. It's going to lighten it up. You may feel giddy. Great. If you're feeling giddy, it means you'll get enough oxygen to wake you up more, to become more alive. Here's a question. Do you want to live your life consciously or unconsciously? Conscious. Definitely consciously. Right. Because when you live your life consciously, you can make sure that you're going to have a good time. When you live unconsciously, all sorts of things push you around mm -hmm. and enter your uh, escrow of life. And before you know it, you end up in a situation you don't want to be in yeah. because you've been unconscious. So noticing. So the first place for me as a voice coach is sound. Because here's the power. What am I telling you? What am I really sharing with you? Is how to be in the moment, really. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. How to be in the moment. There's a question. You cannot be more in the moment than you are when you're with your voice. Because you can only make sound in the moment. You can't make sound yesterday. True. 
or tomorrow. It's only now you're making sound, right? So I want everybody at home to feel yourself in the moment, take a breath in and go, fill it up. Now I make sound and feel the air come out as you say that. Ready? Now I make sound. Now, you're in the moment, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Here's the argument. My argument is this, that the reason why people love singing is because they're in the moment. Yeah. The reason why there's 36 television programs on a primetime Saturday night television in every country and all over the world, from, from The Voice to Britain's Got Talent to X Factor, is because we watch to see people be in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we find it fascinating. Yeah. Yes. And here's the incredible thing. If a, a caveman walked into a cave, and on the wall, there was this big painting, millions of people in an audience. And he'd look at that painting. And on stage is this painting of this woman with a light behind her. It might be a picture of Beyonce or Sam Smith standing there. He would look at the people in the audience. He would look at the person on the stage, this caveman. And he would go, ah, that's a god. Why? because they're making sound, they're in the moment. Everybody in that audience aren't, and are being taken into the moment by just listening. That person has a power, and life, God, nature, or the record companies, or wherever it is, awards that person abundantly for doing that. Yeah, I now, totally agree with you. So, Here's the question, does voice matter? You see, if the planet was to end and there was a satellite up there and the Martians went on it, or whatever they look like, and they open the door of this uh, of the satellite, the first thing they're gonna hear is, I find it, Hitler. They're gonna hear, I have a dream. They're gonna hear all the world leaders speaking, Obama right through. They're gonna hear Michael Jackson sing. They're gonna hear Elvis Presley. They're gonna hear the Beatles. They're gonna hear all these fascinating tones and sounds that we would have left behind as our only evidence of what we sounded like. Yeah. Why? They're not gonna have a, a running machine on here. They're not gonna have a treadmill on there, are they? <laughs> <laughs> this is a treadmill, this is what we used, you know. <laughs> so basically, the voice is a very powerful presence in us. And I'm, I, I'm, someone came up to me, I had dinner not so long ago with a, a Ruby Wax, and I was sitting in a room, great comedian, lovely person, and, and we were talking, and this woman on the table said to me, what did you do? And this guy is next to her, and he said, yeah, what did you do? I said, I'm a vocal coach. What did you do? I said, I transform people's voices. Really? How? I said, well, I take them on a journey into their sound, and when they feel it and experience their sound, they change. Change your voice, change your life is my motto. And, and, and you do change when you focus. And, and, but you need to discipline, you need to do it regularly, and there's a program on that. You know, which is what I'm putting together at the moment. So basically, this ability to keep your voice buoyant in the forefront, noticing it rather than just being unconscious and talking to the top of your head. So I said to him, take Richard Branson, for instance. Richard Branson mumbles. 
and you can't hear what he says. And at meetings, even people at big events walk out on him because he can't, no one can hear him. That's how fast I'm sound, but I'm thinking what I mean. And, and it's like got this very quiet voice because he's quite shy. And, and I said to this guy, if Richard Branson had learned how to use his voice, his tonality, the colours in him, he would have affected this planet 300% more. I guarantee it. And he went, shall I ring him? I said, sorry, shall I ring him? And he picked the phone up and he had Richard Branson on his phone. And I went, uh, if you want. And this girl went, grabbed his arm. She said, no, you won't. She says, that's my boyfriend. He's got my number at work. I'm Richard's PA. And that's why he rings me. She says, I've just heard what you said. And I've got to say, yes, you're right. Richard could do with your work. She said, sometimes we're in meetings. We, half of us don't even know what he said. We have another meeting to try and work out what we've got to do. So the point is why? Yeah. And here's the interesting thing. So she said, he could do with your work. And I said, okay. She said, but you try and tell him. Yeah. Mm. You see, Kylie Minogue, she's got a Tim Pim whistle voice. Me, 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 she? If I worked on her for one year, I could make it sound like uh, uh, Barbara Streisand. I could give her the most extraordinary tones and power in her voice. But why should she? She's earned 70 million doing this Tim Pin whistle voice. Yeah. So she's very happy with her 70 million being a Tim Pin whistle singer. Fine. You know, everybody is where they are. But, but there's another deeper reason for you to be with your sound. A much deeper, profound reason. And that is because of this. We're sitting here because we vibrate. We vibrate. Please understand. Behind me, you see this? The universe? Yes. It's vibrating. Every star in the sky, there's billions and billions of planets and stars, all vibrating at an energy. If you take a photograph of the sun or a film of the sun, you see oh, fire vibrating. A, a light, you put a light behind you, it's vibrating the frequency from the electricity, the heat of the electricity. It's called a vibration. There's another vibration in us, which is the same vibration that's making everything vibrate. It's called the primordial vibration, the first vibration of this whole entire universe. It's infinite. You can't see it, but it's vibrating. Everything's a vibration. If you cut your stomach up and put your hand in, it's hot inside your belly. Why? Because you're vibrating at a frequency. You're not plugged into the wall. What's keeping you warm? You're vibrating at such a frequency, you can't even feel it. But it's going so fast, it's keeping you in your atoms all together and being in this space. So therefore, this thing called G-O-D, generator, operator, destroyer, which makes everything vibrate, has this incredible brain. It creates in Honolulu, go and pick a rock up and you see this thing run out with one eye looking at you. Where the hell did that come from? You go underneath, you look at David Attenborough programs, you see all these amazing things happening because of the vibration of life. It's a powerful vibration. It's the brain of God. It's the brain of this universe or life. I don't care what you call it. It's science, French, but I don't care. But it's a vibration, right? What, if this is its brain... What's its heart? It came to me. 
the vibration of sound is the heart of the universe. So if I did this, Right, as I'm doing that, I didn't take any air in. I didn't need to, because the sound is in my body. I'm just filtering it through my teeth. And what happens, it stays pure, because it's the pure vibration of the essence of our being. It's actually energy. Yeah, yeah. Vibration of energy. If I took you up into space now, and you stuck your ear out, you would hear the earth going, as it spins. That is the note C, which my daughter keeps telling me is the healing frequency. So that is inside our body all day. Yeah. And when we speak consciously, it wants to be there with you. So when you speak, it is present. Yeah. The heart of that vibration is present. So when you want to talk to someone, don't go into your mind to reference what you think you're saying is correct or it's from the past or the future. Go into your knowledge that you know your subject. Yeah. Take a breath and make sound on that subject. I've been a baby throughout this whole interview. I've not had one thought come up in my mind. Only the fact that I, oh, I remember a story and that was it. Yeah. But, but whilst the story was coming out, I was watching the sound carve the story. Yeah. So you start to feel the story. Now, in every one of us, we have this voice, this extraordinary sound in us, which is the heart of life. And that's why people that sing get paid huge amounts of money and are in abundance. You try and match any of their stars' money. Actors on stage that are using their voices get paid huge amounts of money because they're using their voices. Politicians on stages get huge amounts of money because they're using what? What's the common denominator? Their sound. And when you just speak off the top of your head, you're just giving information. Let me as well read it in a book. Yeah. But when you are with your sound as you speak, you are giving you in that moment. So the me in you, it brings me to the me in you, where everybody can practice this at home now. This is called the me in you. I want you to take a deep breath in, tongue on the roof of the mouth, stomach coming out. And the word I want you to say is the word me. And feel it as it comes over the larynx. Over the Good. Let's do it again. Pull the air in. Stomach coming out. Then say the word me. Can you feel that? Yes, mm. definitely. Vibration. Did, you didn't think it, did you? No. no, no. It just 
came naturally. So you didn't think it, you didn't try to make it happen, it just came. That me in you doesn't judge, doesn't live in the past. Yeah, very true. That me in you doesn't get emotional. That me in you is divine, it's free. It's who you really are inside, that sound. Me. You really, when you did the me then at home, if you did it, you, you were doing the same as, yeah. you've, just, you've just gone into the feeling of it. Me. But the self criticizes, judges, lives in the past, gets emotional, becomes your enemy if you're not careful. Yeah. So when we spend more time with our sound and breath, we are more in the moment, congruent with who we truly are, congruent with the real power of who we are. When we're not, we're just information giving. So true. Doc, this has been one of the most eye-opening. I feel like I've had a, a little therapy session with you today. Honestly, I've learned so much today that I can take away and I can implement on my life. And I know that if people have been listening consciously, that they would have taken something from this that they can use which these are little gems of just invaluable knowledge if they apply it. Would you agree? hundred, 110%. Take action on this, guys, because this is gold dust. Absolutely. Absolute gold. This, Absolutely. this information here is gold. So, Doc, we're going to wrap up. Yes, that's all right. I've got some presents. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one thing that you want to leave everybody with? Probably what I said recently in a talk in Mayfair when I got up to speak. That I have a love. Beautiful, beautiful love. It's the greatest love of all. It's my only love. It is so real to me, this love. It is the most profoundest love that I'm in love with, that I want to love, and that is my next breath. Brilliant. Because without it, I can't love anybody. So, Amazing. so true. So true. Thank you, Doc. That is incredible absolutely incredible guys thank you so much for listening doc we've got some amazing comments come up here um one lady says powerful i've started to take meaningful breaths and i use it when i'm feeling anxious um i've i've loved it thank you it's really helped me so doc honestly you've changed people's lives already this morning and it's not even midday <laughs> they've changed their lives yes True. Because they have to do it for themselves. Yeah. It's no good watching someone else talk about it or do it. It's them doing it. It's in the doing and the experiencing and the action of it that you start to see it crystallize. And if you do it often and frequently, you will learn to become your best friend. Absolutely. Very true, very true. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this, 
please share it because as you know our mission is help to bring together a community of people who want to understand their mind control their body so they can find their own version of health and well-being so they can live a happy life so guys thank you so much for watching we're going to um jump off of facebook now and carry on the after party as we normally say and uh, take care and stay safe and stay well and we'll see you all very soon Thanks for listening to this episode of the FitMind Project. Please support us on iTunes and Spotify by rating us and leaving us a review. It helps us so much. You can also watch these podcasts on YouTube or on our Rock Solid Facebook page at Rock Solid Health. This is what we're all about. We're about growing a community of like-minded people that want to change their lives, to feel better than they are at the moment. We help them find their version of health so they can be healthier and happier. And remember guys, you're awesome. Hey, hey.